tonight we're going to be uh, singing some songs that hopefully most of you are familiar with. They're rather old songs uh, for the most part that I used to sing a long time ago in a couple of cases. And uh, if you're not familiar with them, we'll have the words up on the overhead for you. But there is a song that I uh, was thinking about over the last several weeks, and I found the words uh, to the song, and I'm I'm glad it did because it's it's a very special tune that was written by a Catholic charismatic individual named John Michael Talbot. He was part of the charismatic renewal back in the early 80s. And he wrote this song, I think, in 1982. And I want to share just the chorus of that song because it is a foundation upon which we are going to be spending our time together here tonight. The words go like this. Offer up the sacrifice. Creation sent forth the call. One holy sacrifice. One life to pay for the fall. Offer up the sacrifice. The innocent one must be slain. Someone to pay the price and bring men back to God again. We're going to be considering the various places in the Old Testament scriptures that speak of sacrifice. And there are plentiful, but I chose three specific portions of scripture that I'll look at with you tonight. Two of them are found in the book of Genesis, and the third one is in the book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 3 as we open this night with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together in this place to worship you, to study your word, to ponder in our hearts those things that we know have taken place so long ago, but which are so very, very meaningful for us all here tonight. So we ask, O Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would bless us with your presence, that you would guide us, Lord God, in the study of your word and in this opportunity that you have given to us to gather together as your people. Minister to us, Lord God, in a special way, I pray, for it is that which we seek after. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 21, is where we're going to be reading. It's part of the story of Adam and Eve just after they have sinned in the garden. They were together in the garden. We're not told how long. But during that time of great, wonderful fellowship with God, we're told that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day, every day. But God had warned Adam and said that you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of all the other trees you can partake of, but not that one. But yet, Eve was deceived by the serpent. And when she was deceived, she chose to eat that particular fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then she gave it to her husband to eat, and he ate it also. And in having done that, they both sinned against the Lord. It was Adam who transgressed. Eve was deceived. But God had told Adam, In the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. 
That's where the story of the sacrifice comes in. Because in the plan of God, it wasn't God's purpose that Adam should not be able to have a way of being redeemed. And he had that plan already in place from the very, very foundation of the world. It was no surprise to God that Adam and Eve did what they did. God's plan was already in motion. And in chapter 3, verse 21, we see God's response to Adam and Eve's great sin. Where it says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And there's a great pause here in the scripture. He doesn't really give an answer to what he was going to say if he had continued in that particular statement. But the implication is that it would have been a travesty if he had lived forever. But God said, therefore, the Lord sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. I would like to have us consider these particular sacrifices that we'd be looking at as substitutionary sacrifices. That is what they were. And this first substitutionary sacrifice was a protecting sacrifice. Now, it doesn't use the word protecting or protection in this text that we just read. But the idea that is given in the Word of God is that God wanted to protect them from living forever in their sinful state. And that protecting sacrifice was necessary. Now, we're not told what was slain. But we know that something had to die. And we can assume, I believe logically so, based on the texts that follow in chapter 4, where Abel, the son of Adam and Eve, was a sheep herder. And Abel learned from his father that a sacrifice must be made for their sins. Abel followed after that command of Abram, I mean, Adam, in that he sacrificed one of his flock. It was a sheep. Therefore, it's logical to conclude that God made this first substitutionary sacrifice from a sheep. And he slaughtered that sheep. Blood was shed. And as a result, a sacrifice, an innocent sacrifice, had to die as a substitute for the one who was told that he must die. Instead of his dying, the lamb, the substitutionary lamb, died in his place. That's the first substitute that we want to look at. I'm reminded that it is a shadow of another substitute that we will all know about as we proceed tonight. This little chorus is one that I've sung a long, long time ago, and I don't know if any of you are familiar with it, but it's a very simple song, and I hope that you can sing along with me.
I chose it because of its words. It covers me. The next sacrifice, substitutionary sacrifice, is found also in the book of Genesis, beginning with chapter 22. In chapter 22 of the book of Genesis, we find the story of Abraham being told by the Lord that he must take his son, Isaac, his only son, the son that he loved. We must be mindful of the fact that Abraham did have another son at the time. His name was Ishmael, who had been born before Isaac. But as far as God was concerned, this was a son of promise. And because of that promise that God had made to Abraham, that through Isaac, your seed would be multiplied. But yet God told Abraham in chapter 22 of the book of Genesis, we read the fact that God told Abraham, go, take your son, the son that you love, your only son, and offer him up as a sacrifice to me in the place that I will show you. I can't imagine much greater pain than that, that Abraham must have had to deal with this terrible idea of killing his only son that he loved so dearly. But he was willing to obey the command of God because he trusted God. He knew that God had said, it is through Isaac that the blessing would come. And the book of Hebrews tells us that as a result of that commitment that he was making, his conclusion was simple. God would raise him from the dead. So he trusted his Lord even in this. And he proceeded for three days on his way to the place where God would show him. He considered his son already dead. Three days. Consider that. It's significant. He got to the place, a mountain called Moriah, which is just outside of the city of Jerusalem, the place where we are more familiar with as Golgotha, the place of the skull, the very place that Jesus was crucified. Here Abraham is to offer his son as a substitute for our sin. There's a picture of that substitute that was yet to come. And in this, we see the provided sacrifice. What I mean by that is that as Abraham laid his son on the altar, put the wood down around him, took the torch, ready to light the fire, took the knife, ready to stab his son in the heart. He had already been confronted by Isaac earlier on a trip there and said, or Isaac said to Abraham, Father, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham's response was prophetic and profound. For he said, the Lord God will provide himself for a sacrifice. 
That is the literal translation of that phrase in the Hebrew language. Some of your translations will say the Lord will provide for himself a lamb, but it's much more significant when you leave that word for out because it was indeed what God was doing in this event. He was providing himself for a sacrifice as a picture of that which he would do many years after. Chapter 22, verse 8 of the book of Genesis says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together and they came to the place of which God had told them. And as I said, Abraham built the altar. Isaac was willing. He laid down on that altar as a willing sacrifice, a substitute that God had indeed provided a ram. Unbeknownst to Adam or Isaac, as Abraham lifted that knife, ready to slay his son, he heard the voice of the Lord, Abraham, here I am, Abraham said. And the Lord said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket in the thorns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. In the Hebrew language, the phrase the Lord will provide is Jehovah Jireh. And I'm reminded again of another song that I've sung so long ago that I want you to sing with me. And that's the name of the song. It is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient. The third substitutionary sacrifice we want to look at today is found in the book of Exodus. Moses has been going to see Pharaoh on a regular basis, demanding that Pharaoh lets his people go. And for nine occasions, Pharaoh said no. Pharaoh hardened his heart. He would not let the people go. This final judgment, the tenth plague against the gods of Egypt, was that the firstborn of every household would die. But he provided a way for the people of Israel to escape that judgment. He established a simple ritual that they still observe today in a limited sort of way. And that ritual was called the Passover. So we've seen the protecting sacrifice. We've seen the provided sacrifice. Now we look at the Passover sacrifice. God had told Moses, take a lamb, bring it into your homes on the tenth day of Abib, 
and treat it with loving kindness for those three days, observing that lamb, inspecting that lamb, making sure there's no blemish, making sure it was spotless, making sure that it was without any kind of imperfection. And having done that, on the 14th day of the month of Abib, they were to take that lamb and slaughter it, drain the blood into a basin, and they were to take that blood with a branch of hyssop and splatter that blood upon the doorposts and the lintel of their homes. And doing so, they would be passed over by the angel of death that was to come that night. Passover lamb is a remarkable picture, a shadow of the one who was to die for us as our Passover, which we will look at in a few moments. But keep in mind that this Passover lamb was innocent. It was the only way, like with Adam and Eve, that man could have their sins covered. But it represented a deliverance for the people of Israel, a deliverance from slavery, a deliverance from that which held them in bondage for so many years. That Passover celebration was a very, very special feast. Not only was there a lamb to be slain and eaten, that night the whole of it had to be consumed, but not one bone of it could be broken. There was also a requirement for that particular feast that they would remove all leaven from their homes and they were to bake bread without leaven. And that also was a very, very important picture of the one that we worship here tonight. We'll look at that unleavened bread as we take communion later on this evening. But these are wonderful, wonderful illustrations in the Old Testament Scriptures. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 12 and read together, beginning with verse 21. Exodus 12, verse 21 says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of this house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe these things as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. A third substitute, the Passover sacrifice. Again, a foreshadowing of that which would be fulfilled by Jesus himself. When they came to the land of promise, after many years, they finally built the temple. And in that temple that Solomon built, they offered sacrifices and once a year, 
they were obedient to this command that God had made to them that they must observe this every year at that appointed time. They weren't always good at doing that which God had commanded. And of course, after 70 A.D., when the Romans destroyed that temple that was replaced by Herod ultimately, that temple was destroyed and they no longer had a place to offer that Passover sacrifice. So today, they still do the Passover Seder. The word Seder is a Hebrew word for order. And in that order of observance, instead of lamb, they typically use chicken. They can't sacrifice a lamb. There's no lamb to be slain because there's no temple in which to offer that lamb. But the hope of Israel is still present that through that observation of the sacrifice of a Passover lamb, that God would overlook their sins, that they would remember that He had redeemed them, delivered them from slavery. That is true today. They can enter into the Holy of Holies in a much different way, as we all can. So sing with me this song. Those three substitutes, those three sacrifices, the protecting sacrifice, the provided sacrifice, the Passover sacrifice, all point to one grand sacrifice that you are all familiar with and for whom we come in worship. He is the perfect sacrifice, the perfect substitute without blemish, without spot or wrinkle, without sin. That sacrifice that was provided for all of us the one who was willing to shed his own blood instead of having us to need to do it ourselves. We could not save ourselves. Only he is able to not only cover our sins, as was the case with the Passover lamb, but he purged us from our sins, cleansed us by his blood, a far greater sacrifice, and only once was necessary for all. That's who we serve. In John's Gospel, I want to just read one verse, and you don't have to turn there with me. If you want, you can, but it's found in John chapter 1 and verse number 29, which simply says this, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist, the one who came before our Savior to proclaim the way, to make a way in the desert, to be the forerunner, the one who would be the proclaimer of good news. He spoke those words. Behold, the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. How awesome that God would choose such a means by which you and I could have that salvation that He wanted to give from the very beginning of time. I'm reminded also that Paul in first in second Corinthians or rather first Corinthians chapter five verse seven recognized this very fact that Jesus was the fulfillment indeed of all of that which has gone on before, but in particular he was a fulfillment of that Passover sacrifice. Because Paul says in first Corinthians chapter five verse Seven, therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. God's judgment fell on Him once for all. That's how God loves us. I'm reminded in John's Gospel, John chapter 3, you all know the verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This Passover celebration, the Jews celebrated Passover this very day. They had their Seder meal. They broke the unleavened bread. They slaughtered the chicken instead of the lamb. They drank the wine. They pronounced the blessings. They did everything that they were commanded to do. But they had no fulfillment in what they were doing. And we are just simply coming together in a place like this to say, thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to go to the cross, to suffer the shame, the humiliation, the pain, looking beyond that to the glory that would be yours. Lord Jesus, you are so wonderful. And we accept your substitution of yourself for us.